0: Well, it's The Dick and Ham Show, episode three, uh, taping four, which is a little confusing. It's uh, it's Sam and Hugh and Boots joining David via conference call uh, on the 2nd of July. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, as always, uh, Snake Gun for Android and uh, and iOS. So first thing on the agenda today, gentlemen, welcome. It's, it's great to, uh, to talk to you, as always. Three episodes in, we're all obviously enjoying ourselves. Uh, but what do other people think of it? We're starting to find out. I've quietly been asking for some feedback and i thought if uh, if i have your permission to go through just a little bit of mailbag uh, to get us started this week mm-hmm. so we have one we have some feedback <laughs> from dan in melbourne who's a long-time listener he's not known to this group but he's he's someone i i trust with his opinion and he said hi have been listening to the podcast must say i'm enjoying the banter but finding it tough to separate out. How much of that is purely because I know you and have many familiar references haven't grown up in Melbourne at the same time. Not saying it's a lot like that, just saying I can't tell anyway, it's fun. So that's one piece of feedback. And then later on he so. asks question, how are you planning the content? <laughs> <laughs> that's a curious question. Which I think is uh, is is a good question. We don't really have an answer to that. But the second one uh, is...
1: You, you, uh, you ever
0: heard the term damning us with faint praise?
2: That's
1: what that feels like. <laughs> When a planning schedule that could be described as arse hattery on WhatsApp, is probably uh, yeah a limited level of planning.
0: I call it loose. That's what I call it. That was a
1: hit piece on WhatsApp. That was unfair.
2: The guy had an agenda.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, so the second piece that I wanted to quickly throw it open to you guys on is, is much closer to home. It's someone we all know. I, w- I won't name him. So this person reached out to me, hey, doing an excellent job uh, keeping those other clowns in line on that podcast. Suggestion, dot, 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 put some more bass in Sam's voice and I want more drunk Andrew, dot, dot, dot. He goes on, I listened to the podcast today whilst cooking an apple pie. For what it's worth, the parts I really enjoyed and left me wanting more was when Hugh was talking about the airline industry and when David was talking about Norwegian movie title translations. Are you guys going to keep doing this? He goes on, if I'm going to give up 40 minutes of my time, I want to get something out of it. As a collective, you guys have plenty to offer. I've heard enough of Sam and Stevo's crap over the last thirty years to do without the same old shit. I do, however, okay. quietly look forward to the banter and the new insights. End feedback.
2: I can't think of that I I'm trying to pick that tonality. I can't think of who that is.
3: I've got a pretty clear idea who it is. Oh, it's a murderous row of people who hate us, but I, I don't
2: know about the other stuff. The apple pie baking has thrown me, I won't, I've got to say.
3: Yeah, no, the, 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 the apple pie baking is, no offence, Dave, a red herring. I, I'm kind of thinking, is, is
0: it... It's not. It's not who you'd expect. No, it's someone... ...controversial figure who's often at the centre of allegations of, of rattery. Oh. Oh. Well, that's, oh. It was, it was almost too obvious in the end. Yeah, that—that that was what he had to say. I've had thirty years of Sam and Stevo's bullshit, so less of that, please. Do you reckon he was wearing anything
3: other than say, his apron when he was cooking that fucking apple pie? I was no, about to say, is making
2: an apple pie a sex position? I think so. For, for him, it so. is. There was just a
0: euphemism for something that he didn't want to, you know, didn't didn't think we were ready to hear. It's such a long email. I know it was over WhatsApp, so that was that was the feedback. Something for us to think about.
3: Hey Dave, how's that how's that parenting going?
0: <laughs> what, the, the theme the theme of parenting? I yeah,
3: can hear your baby.
0: Yeah. yeah she's like quite she's, loud. Yeah, she's she's crying. She really is. Let me just go let me just go check.
2: So I'm does that mean I'm host? Finally I get my chance. So I'm throwing out the schedule as we had it. Right. I'm gonna talk about the bombers, half an hour.
3: And then about uh new business ventures. Hey. Hey boots. So tell me, Tom Bell Chambers, <laughs> don't wind,
1: right? Don't wind me up. He's been
3: he's he's been rested this week because he's played. Let me look this up. Three games months. in ten months. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me what the hell's going on?
1: It's too hard. Playing football is hard. <laughs> Need a rest. I think the I think the idea is that they're going to go into a schedule shortly of about six games in four and a half weeks. Ah,
3: so. so it's all a plan. Right. Okay. Well, if we, about they're the going
1: to relo- relocate to New South Wales and, uh... this is
3: Boots' worst nightmare right now. He's stuck on an audio recording with just Sam and me talking about Essendon uh, and everyone's yeah. going to hear it. Boots is suddenly like, well, got to go. Work's calling. See you later. Yeah, I, got a, I got a lawyer call on the lawyer line. I got a, right. I got a law. Bye. And, Hey, can we can we talk about the Zach Merritt suspension? It obviously really hit him in a tough spot because it, it did
2: look relatively innocuous. Like it looks like something of happened a hundred times in a game, and it's and it's literally.
1: You take, are you taking a piss, Samuel?
2: You got that right, baby. <laughs> we are <laughs> recording right now. No, no I'm, I'm actually. So I'm back. And,
0: and are you taking filling a piss? Up a
2: glass of water.
0: It doesn't sound like that.
2: No, it feels like.
3: Ugh. It does not sound like that.
0: <laughs> That's not how you fill up a Hang glass a of
3: water. <laughs> Hang a minute. Hang on. It is pretty stop and start. So if you're if you're if you're taking a piss, you better get your you better get your bloody checkup done, mate. Crossfade trick. Yeah. Go see
1: Dr. Yeah, Snip or something else.
0: And then go skateboarding yeah. like Andrew did straight afterwards.
1: Incredible.
0: Goodness me. If so, it
2: was a coup d'etat while you were going, I'm in charge now.
0: Oh gee, that, that didn't take long. Yeah. You're in charge, first order of business, taking a piss on air. Yeah, exactly.
2: Hey, it's a new model. Don't judge it. We haven't even seen whether it'll work
0: yet. Things have changed around here, by the way. Check this out. There are yeah. weirdos. There's there's enough weirdos out there that
3: we could put up a paywall on this thing and makes the money if it's just Sam. <laughs> this is what I've been
0: waiting for. <laughs> I know. This <laughs> is Sam's YouTube channel, just or or, 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 or you porn channel.
3: Yeah, you laugh, but I made
2: eight million dollars last year. So
0: yeah. So there you go. Now, what I did here when I came back on was talk about uh, sport and football. I thought boots. We don't have you for the whole taping today, but as our resident sports expert, so leagues are starting back up in in almost every market, but there's one, none of us are fans of baseball really, but it's obviously a significant, you know, historically significant league and a very significant league within America. What's going on with the restart of that league and why is it seemingly heading towards a complete um, shambolic situation of nothing happening and everything fragmenting and falling apart?
1: I think there's, there's two things to, to note off the top, right? So one, all of these leagues restarting are just about the money and just about the television contracts to get satisfied and uh, players not wanting to give up X, X amount of dollars in the uh, in their contracts. And there's, so there's, and there's two leagues at the moment that all of the publicity is about, and it's about the NBA and Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball's the one you've mentioned because that's probably been the most fracturous of the conversations because the okay. players and the players and the owners hate each other more than in any other sport because basically because the union is stronger there than, than any other sport. Um because the the rosters of the actual major league players who make up the majority of the union um uh, uh kind of have a, a lot more tenure than maybe some of the players in the other in the other sport, particularly football. But what baseball, the, the problems that they had with baseball is that they wanted to reduce the salaries. The owner's proposition was to say, will you, well, you will reduce the the games to however many games. I think they started off with 50 as their proposal, um, plus a full playoffs. And then you'll just get your prorated salary for, as if we were playing 50 of 162 games, so about 30%. Of the season, and actually, we're not even going to pay you thirty percent of your salary. We're going to pay you seventy-five percent of your prorated salary. Um, so the owners are absolute, <laughs> um, and that that was not a reflection of kind of where the revenues would have come out with, uh, with the television deal and the local television deals. They they had placed too what would generally considered to be too much emphasis on money lost through ticket revenue and concessions at stadiums and stuff. Even if uh, concessions at stadiums is not something that goes into net baseball revenue, so therefore not something that then gets calculated in determining how much of baseball profit is going to close. It's all, well, I understand that's relatively boring, but it's just by way of explanation as to why they, they've got to where they where they did. In the end, the baseball, Players started off with a proposal for 110 games um, and then uh, eventually, and 110 at 110% of prorated salary. So they want to play 110 games and get paid uh, as if they paid about 130 games. Where we've ended up is getting paid for 60, 160 seconds. So about 37% of the season and so with that 60 games the players are getting paid a full prorated salary um and then they and and, but we'll be playing a full playoffs now
3: and like the 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 actual um negotiations have just been fascinating right like as i understand it um like the the two i think principles involved are you got manfred who's the commissioner right um, yep. you know, working working on behalf of the owners. And then you've got this other guy, Clark, who's, um, I, I believe, a relatively new, is that right? Um,
1: you know, kind of yeah, Tony Clark, the, is a, of the... he's an ex-player. Um, yeah, and he's, he's and just a rep- bulldog, right? Yeah, he, he is. I mean, the, the baseball union, um, going all the way back to, to Marvin Miller, who was the, the guy who, who championed, I a mean, free agency who came to, to baseball a long time before it came to any other sport. Um, there's probably a lot of racial reasons for that, um, but the it, it, it was a a sport that had um, a, a strong union and, and a history of uh, fractious relationship between the union and the players for a long time. I mean, the the first kind of player strikes were in the 1920s for baseball, whereas you didn't see, you know, the professional leagues were a lot more um, fractured in the other sports up until kind of mid 50s. But baseball, obviously, having having Major League Baseball for that period of time, I and mean, there was protests against play, players getting suspended for for, um, for gambling and, and other things, and just a, a general distrusting relationship. And the owners stamped on the players for a long time until this bloke called Marvin Miller, who's a, a very prominent labour rights lawyer, um, came in. And only very recently, elected to the Hall of Fame because the owners kept him out for a long time. Time, but really one of sort of the pioneers of, of a uh, of, of a concept of a player union and also of a, mm-hmm. a, a collectively bargained outcome. Um, but yes, to to Hugh's point, the, the the negotiations just basically end up with people leaking things on either side. I mean, Manfred's a, a, an ex labor lawyer as well, um, and just. Uh, it, it, The the, the posturing was that this is always going to get done because there's too much money uh, on the table for for it not to happen, notwithstanding a few of the, uh, uh, let's call them Trump supporting owners who uh, (laughs) basically didn't believe in in the virus or or its existence. Um, That that sort of caused a a couple of hiccups along the way and a couple of very agitated players. And
3: and and it kinda of sounds like the negotiations have just been, you know, I mean negotiations are always pretty contentious and you know, a lot of it really gets played out in the media for show and you know, there's lots of leaks and stuff. But what's fascinated certainly me about this one is, you know, like the one side, for instance, Manfred working on behalf of of the of the league itself will come out and say, Yep, we're we're going here. This is gonna happen and then like you know an hour later or a couple of hours later the the union themselves are then like that is absolutely not the case. We are not going ahead. We did not come to an agreement that's it we're done um, and so it's just been like so 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 at odds yeah, but 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 well, it's, but it's then a,
1: it's a classic negotiating strategy like you go back to the 2011 uh, NBA lockout, David Stern went up to a podium and announced that they had a deal before they even voted <laughs> on the uh, on it and just just kind of just true sheer force of will um um pushed it through but um, then like
3: like where, where where we're at now with baseball which is fascinating and i'm really interested in your view on this boots around where it about how this resolves itself is that there there is no deal in place as you know as of as of the announcement the the owners and the league itself are saying we're starting the league on whatever date it is the league's on and there's no deal in place what's going to
1: happen I think they'll report because I think they're getting the full prorated salary was the was the, the contentious bit, and they moved off the fifty games. So, you know, as Don Ollemeyer, who was the great uh, sports producer in the seventies for ABC, said, "The answer to all of your questions is money," and the uh, that that's that's the answer here. And I say,
2: um, I don't want to sound, uh, I don't want to be naive or whatever, but, and it's bad enough in AFL where obviously like salaries are getting up there. And I'm sure I know that not everyone in baseball is on a $400 million contract or whatever. There's something really ugly about these professional sports that are just at this, this level of remuneration, which is really unimaginable, really having these sort of, I know this is oversimplifying, but it's just something really ugly about these. Unimaginably wealthy owners and an unimaginably wealthy players haggling over the percentage that they would have got or wouldn't have gotten that they should get. And I don't, I don't know. It's just, it just feels yeah, bit, bit, ugly, bit, right? the, the money's got to go somewhere, so why should it go to one person the
1: other? That's why yeah, it's, no, it's, and, and that's what leads
2: you to the dispute, right? And so I'm sitting there going, I'm on a hundred million. Why shouldn't I get my one fifty million? Why should that owner who's already rich get my? 50-? I get it, and that's why it blows up. But it, whatever the reason, it's just. It's, 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 not a good it's, it's
0: not a good look. It's not a good look. No, it's it's just like, gross. It's gross. Like, like when we, the owners yeah. sort of having this expectation that we have this insanely profitable thing, and it, it must be insanely profitable. Um, you know, it's it's sort of unacceptable if it's not. That that's not a great look, um, because people with normal businesses can't really think like that. If they, I, I think the Bill Simmons analogy was, you know, if you have a restaurant, some years it's going to make a big profit, some years it's not. That's kind of the, the, what this is. It's not just a guarantee to make profit, but also yeah, the other players sometimes. Yeah, I think now it's maybe less so, but there there were some great um, things when salaries really started to get big. Booth, do you remember the quote from? I think it was the good old Latrell Spreewell who walked away from a twenty million dollar contract. Do you remember what he said about that? Which
1: uh oh, well, there, there's a few. There's the, there's the Kenny Anderson uh, and the and the and the Patrick Ewing one. The Patrick Ewing one is the uh, we make a lot of money, but we spend a lot of money, which is my personal favourite. <laughs> um, and then and then the the Kenny Anderson one that, uh, about his 10 cars is you've got to understand it's not just the 10 cars. You've got to have 10 garages to park it. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, that's not I relatable, that
0: statement. You're not going to gain a lot of <laughs> I,
1: um,
2: sympathy. I, the I, love the, uh, I love watching the guy who's on the, um, on the $90 million contract because they have a sense that it's a bit ugly to whine about that. They always pivot
0: to look, I just need to look after my family. Yeah, that's what Sprewell said when he walked away from the twenty million dollar deal. He said, "No, I got kids to feed." It's like, yeah, well, so do people who don't make twenty million and they somehow make it work. Yeah, I'm confident that that you got them covered at this point. It'd be better for you to say you just want
2: the money because you deserve it. Cause you're a great player, frankly. It's oh. Like, what
0: are they? What are they eating? Like, if, if that's really like, imagine if it was for real because they were eating something really expensive. My monkey hates his caviar. You
2: know, <laughs> <laughs> like, look, my kids
0: got hooked on burgers with gold leaf in them, and now I can't. I really can't go back from that. Yeah. And it really yeah. does cost that much. Can, I, can we just come back to the
3: the the, the 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 baseball thing just to round that out? Like, you know, like I'm I'm so fascinated by what's going to happen here, and frankly, we're not going to know. But you know, like there's like there's a real there's a real danger here, right? Like there's a massive safety issue. Like we can all see the numbers in in the US, and it's a it's gonna be a bloody disaster. Um, you know, there's there's no there's no agreement in place. You know, the players are. Potentially looking at this going, well, it's a short season. It's only going to run for a few months. I'm going to make a fraction of my salary. Um, I'm still a good player. Why would I put my life and my family's life in jeopardy and, you know, like create all this upheaval by living in a fucking bubble or whatever they've got to do? But, but do you reckon, that, do you reckon that, that, there's a real chance that just many players just do not report? And if so, what do I, they I, do?
1: No, I reckon no, there's I think they'll be 10%. They've got a concept of high risk players. So if you've got yourself or family members who fall into the high risk category, you can um, opt not to play. You'll get a smaller percentage of your salary, but very importantly, you'll get what's called a, a year of accrued service time, um, which is, uh, yeah. we can go and talk about that for hours. But it's a very important thing in, in baseball. I think it, the, I mean, the, the plan is insane. They're actually planning to play in all of the local ballparks. They're not going into the hub model of which the NBA is doing, in which the, I mean, the NBA has you know planned this to the nth degree. I mean, they don't have the same problem of the not paying the players because they they paid they played 75% of the season already. Um, now also, well, you can build a court, you can build a court anywhere, right? Huh? You know, well, you, 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 you can, um, and it's, it's sort of easier though, but you could. You could do the same model that they're doing for baseball in either Arizona or Florida. Unfortunately, two of the COVID hotspots, but they have big <laughs> spring training facilities there with lots of baseball diamonds, and you could you could set up there. That, you know, I think TV would would, would have some uh, some issues at some of the more open stadiums, but you could still get it. There. But I think there the, the baseball attitude is. I mean, there's not even restrictions on on people who are on the, the sixty man. But you get a 60-player 60, 60 roster. Normally, you only have a 40-player roster. So they're assuming that X number of people are actually going to contract the virus and be out for periods of time during the season. Um, but I, I suspect, just, just to really round out to a huge point, I suspect you'll get about 10% of players, something they don't want to play, and you'll get about 90% of the players who matter, right? There'll they'll be a, a whole lot of minor league players will be happy to play and be on their 60-man rosters. The players who matter, you'll get about 10%. They so say they don't want to play.
2: What What are the chances the NBA hub doesn't happen, Boots? My uh, My mate, shout out to Bill Simmons, big fan of this podcast. I know he, he's been he's been pretty bullish about how it's going to work. And the NBA, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, is relatively well run compared to those other organisations. But he's increasingly pessimistic that it's just not it's just going to end up not being feasible, no matter how much everyone wants it to be.
3: I just can't see these seasons finishing. I mean, like like I, the fact that the NBA is in a bubble means that it maybe has a greater Chance, like I guess, but but... none of
2: the support staff are. Did you hear that? Like, so if you're like working (laughs) at the gym, if you're a security guy working at the gym, you're not in the bubble. So you're going to go home at the end of the day, do whatever, and then come back the next morning. You can't all, not all of the, like all the teams and all the team support can all be in the bubble, but not the the cleaner and not the security guy, not the front desk chick and they can't all be forced to stay on the Disney property for two months or whatever.
1: Yeah, what they're now proposing is to have those people in shifts where they stay for two weeks on the property. Oh, okay. that would so make more basically, sense. yeah, and, no, has and the logistics, road road but yeah. they'll also be keeping people away away from the place. There are going to be some permanent in sort of staff who like do the food service and that sort of and that sort of thing. Oh, makes and teams sense. are bringing their own chefs and paying them shitloads of money.
3: So, um, like, like there's still. There's still a razor thin margin for error on that with the NBA, but from what oh, from what, yeah, from, 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 from what we've just described about baseball, I mean, like it, maybe it helps that it's a non-contact sport, I guess. But you know, like if if they're playing all around the country, and I just I I, I reckon there's a very small percentage chance that actually gets completed. Boots, would you put a number on it?
1: Oh, uh, baseball! Oh, yeah,
0: no chance.
3: Yeah, zero, right, right? right? Yeah, I was, I was going to say zero, but I thought that might be a bit.
0: The logistics bit of sh- no, no. <laughs> how, how far away with the logistics that they, that they have to do to make this happen in these these bubbles. How far away are we from a total recall situation of just erecting domes, and some people have got good <laughs> domes, some people have got shitty domes. You know, Arnold shows up. There's a mutant guy. Am, am I? I mean, am I barking up in the wrong tree? I think it's just around the corner. I'd like to rewatch Total Recall, by the way. I think it would be. I think it would still be interesting. I, I refuse to acknowledge the remake with Colin Farrell, but I, I do think the original one would be funny.
2: As director of commercials uh, for um, Dick and Ham show, I've got to point out now, um, shout out to Bill Simmons and the Ringer Podcast Network, Rewatchables, Jeez. Total Recall, only a couple of weeks ago, Dave.
0: Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet. Was it good?
2: Oh, they're always oh. It's just a great show all round. so you've got to get there. That's uh, www.ringer.com.au, and you can go Proudly. there any time, download, get that podcast from wherever good podcaster. Proudly
0: owned so. by Spotify um someone's you know got I, to bring money into this singer
2: right someone's got to bring money and you that's guys your, make a joke of it but
0: no, that's your yeah. job you know what i listened to that was excellent was you know i like the the mark maron podcast uh wtf always have he yes. he finally did a bit with seinfeld um and he'd always sort of whined about how he didn't get seinfeld and they weren't buddies because he you know takes great pride in the fact that he's kind of close to all the other comics except for seinfeld and he finally was on there and um it was just interesting to hear someone ask Seinfeld different things and to, to sort of crack open this piece that other people don't try to or aren't able to crack open. Absolutely, highly, highly recommend it. And I, I was not the world's biggest Seinfeld fan, but you can't deny his influence and his kind of cultural cachet, or at least what it was um, you know, back in the day. Yeah. To- totally worth listening to.
2: There's also, um, do you guys listen to the Conan O'Brien podcast at all? No, I haven't listened yet. It's good. I find it good. Your man might not like it. Um he's quirky, you know. But um he does an interview with uh the Keane Peel guy who's not the director, the taller, skinnier guy of the two of them. And uh
0: Keane and Michael Key.
2: Yeah, so yeah, and he um he goes deep on a uh, impression of the guy who played Lando Calrissian. From Star Wars, <laughs> who he worked with on a project, and it's very good, and I strongly recommend it. I go back to it at every
0: opportunity during this podcast. Uh, that's so, great. Yeah, you, should, that,
2: you should check it out. It's very good.
0: That guy did come across as flamboyant. It would be interesting to know what what someone's uh, description of him, what their take oh, yeah. is like. Oh, well, speaking yeah. of flamboyance and podcasts, this is something I want to talk about. I want to talk about Will Ferrell, who I haven't hasn't been on my mind much for a long time, even though I still find him funny. His Eurovision movie came out this week. Ever since we were children, we've had one dream: winning the Eurovision Song Contest. All right,
2: everyone. I am Lars. This is Secret. We are Fire Saga. Who wants to hear our Eurovision song?
0: I don't know if you know. Uh, I, I guess you probably do know and probably have ridiculed me for this because um, I'm, you know, I, I live in in a hotspot for Eurovision, and it's it's something that I've been enthusiastic about for for a while now. So I, I'm, I consider myself an amateur enthusiast of Eurovision, and also I have sort of minor celebrity status because people here laugh every year at the fact that Australia is just in Eurovision for some reason, and then they point at me and that and we share a joke about it. The movie. Uh, I, I haven't gotten through all of it, but it's actually quite a lot better than I was expecting. Oh, I thought you were going to say the opposite. Yeah, I watched the preview and I thought it looked as. I thought it looked terrible and I just, I almost didn't bother at all. Uh, and also, I think, he, look, he's done a lot of stuff that I think is kind of just Will Ferrell painting by numbers, just being Will Ferrell dropped in into a new wacky situation. And I just, I thought it would be that. Um, surprisingly good, surprisingly captures the. Sort of the fun, like the reason Eurovision is supposed to be fun and and ridiculous, like the campness of it. Would you know, without wanting to disrespect the camp who's on this call, like that's kind of the thing that's funny, like the the ludicrous sort of tragicness of it, and the more tragic and ludicrous, but also kind of earnest. It is that's the point. Like Eurovision, the last few years has not been that good because people are taking it seriously, and the acts are slightly better, and so there's not enough. Over the and people are sort of trying more to win, so it hasn't been that funny. The voting system, which i could I could go into um in a separate conversation that has also made it boring because you get a lot of winners that have voted for kind of along political lines who shouldn't win
3: yeah i've i've heard it's I've heard it's pretty murky and kind of rigged. Is that, yeah is that well a
0: thing? it's is it's, theres just rules that everybody knows like there's countries that always vote for other countries there's countries that never vote for other countries. There's countries that might kind of get together and then vote vote together for one country like that happened with Russia. They had, Russia had a really good uh, contestant a few years ago, but there's a large number of countries who would never vote for Russia, so they kind of got together and all voted for Belarus together, or they sort of chose the <laughs> they, they sort of all chose the second favorite and all voted for that just so Russia wouldn't win it. Which I would guess the reason behind that would be Russia's, um, you know, murky record on, on gay rights. And obviously the, the audience for Eurovision is, is, is very gay. Um, and so they kind of conspired so that Russia couldn't possibly win it. And so that, that part hasn't been fun. But the film, surprisingly good. They shot it in Iceland, um, which I, I like Iceland. And it's, it is a really interesting and different place. So it was, it was cool that they shot so much on location. Um, but the thing I want to talk about that's interesting, and, and hopefully Sam can join back in as a, as one of our, our marketers in residence, it's it's sanctioned by Eurovision. So if you remember back in the old days, like if you remember a film like Happy Gilmore, there was no sanctioning of that film or endorsement of that film by any type of, you know, by the PGA. They had to make up this golf thing called The Tour and they had to make up the tournaments and all the rest of it. That slowly started to change. And what I think is interesting about this movie is that you know, the people behind Eurovision are clearly driving the agenda of this film and embracing, they're embracing somebody taking the piss out of them because it it also gives them a platform to show the other parts that they want to show. And I think that's something that's becoming more and more prevalent where you've got brands who are embracing people, taking the piss out of them, and using it as a platform for for pushing what they want to push. I'll chime I'll in here from a
1: legal perspective,
0: David. The, um, the,
1: the NFL actually, uh, famously protective of, of anything to do with quote unquote the shield. Um, he, there's a show called Ballers, who some of you may be familiar with, the, uh, the rock. Um, and they just said, yeah, we're going to use the real team names, occasionally show people wearing the logos and the t shirts. Um, sue us. We're not paying you. We're, we're relying on the fair use exemption. Uh, yeah. So come at us, and they did, and they lost. The NFL lost. The NFL lost. Um, the fair wow. use exemption applied. They taught real teams. You know, had the characters playing for actual teams. Had you know, ex-coaches, you know, playing playing coaches in the in the show. I, I think that's going to end up informing these decisions as to whether you collaborate with someone doing it, because I think now people are going to be less scared to. Uh, to kind of take on some of these institutions. Now, there's obviously certain things that are copyright protected and you've got to make sure you're talking within working within that fair use exemption, which I think we actually has has been covered on an earlier Dick and Ham podcast. Um but uh here obviously it's a slightly different uh, slightly different context. But yeah. I think that
3: much yeah. as I love the NFL and the league and the sport itself i'm I'm kind of always happy when the NFL wind up losing something you? <laughs> yeah
0: and I, I'm not surprised that they're trying to stop this but what what's interesting to me is that the more progressive brands out there are actually embracing it and one of the, I thought of two interesting examples the first one was actually top Gun which uh was heavily backed uh, yeah, yeah. by the Navy or the the, the armed forces I, was it the navy or the Air Force I think it might have been the I can't navy.
2: Remember. Carrier. I can't remember, yeah. A navy, um, aircraft
0: carriers, yeah, aircraft carrier. This a navy, aircraft carrier. And and the legacy of that film is slightly sort of has an asterisk next to it because it was it was seen by people in the know as something that was a thinly veiled recruitment tool. The one that interests me is where I think this really started. Sam, I don't know if you caught this, but we're talking about brands kind of embracing uh, films and steering films, uh, even the ones that are kind of taking the piss out of them, and that's that's why we're talking about Eurovision. The one that's interesting to me is Castaway, not because of Wilson the, the volleyball, um, which was mm-hmm. apparently offered to Spalding and they said no, which was not a great move. Um, the 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 thing that's interesting about Castaway is FedEx. So yes. that is central to the whole story that the 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 job that he has, the fact that he his mission is actually not so much to get back with his wife but to deliver this package. Um, it's you know they filmed at FedEx properties, and so what happened with that film was. Um, the producers went to FedEx and said, "We want you in the film," and they they basically collaborated on. It. But what, what was bold, and I would suggest, there's a lot of marketers who would not have done this, was that FedEx agreed to it, which meant to agreeing to a story that showed a FedEx plane plummeting into the ocean and killing four people and strewing all of the you know the packages all throughout the sea. So I think that was an that was a very bold decision to say, look the goods outweigh the bads. It's it's not a good, you know, it's it's regrettable that the story involves one of our planes dropping out of the sky and people dying, but we reckon this is so worth it that we're going to do it anyway. And then they were on set and they had a heavy influence in how that film played out. But um, Sam, what, what would you say as a, as a marketer to whether that's a common decision? Do you think people would take a decision like that? I guess now more than before, but do you think that was a brave decision at the time?
2: I reckon the, the product placement part of it's a no-brainer. The whole like still doing it when there's something controversial in the film. Nah, I reckon most brands wouldn't do it. Like it's a slam dunk, once in a lifetime, get to own the movie scenario. But um, it, the the number of things I've seen killed, let alone that that have happened to me in very minor cases, let alone the ones you hear about on the internet or whatever, in mean, much more important scenarios where like brands bail out of stuff because they're too nervous. You know, like Colin Kaepernick's example, obviously, where Nike didn't bail out, but there's a million other ones where they're just like, eh, this is a little bit too close to X. We'll just we'll just not do it, just to be sure. Like, the Conservatives is always the default position. So pretty ballsy, I would suggest that the CEO or someone like that of, of FedEx would have personally been behind that because if that was just the idea of some dude in marketing, uh, there's no way that's making it up the chain, especially when, like, the initial pitch, someone's just going to hear about it, Ah, FedEx, yeah, sponsorship, some movie, plane crashes. You just be like, nah, don't tell me anymore. I'm out.
0: Yeah, it's a horrifying scene. Have you guys seen that recently? Yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. So scary, that scene. Just awful. It really is. Yeah, shocking.
3: Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd never really thought about it at all, Dave, until you were were telling that story then. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd actually be fascinated to understand how the internal, you know, machinations happen to, get the sign off on that because you know it's it's not like we sit here today going mm, jesus christ you know what they say about fedex i was crashing the fucking sea and tom hanks has to live on an island forever like you know that, that it's not part of what we talk about you know like there's no there seems to be no you know kind of tarnished image at all from fedex and you kind of go well everyone knows it's a movie so who cares like it's it's good branding like you you get the you know you get the get the um the logo up there in front of you know millions of people's eyeballs so what's the big deal but i i I do get the apprehension that an organization would have about it so like i'd be fascinated to understand how did they make the decision to do that because it's seemingly worked out well and have others followed in those footsteps yeah like like, like it feels yeah it's
2: like like I said, it just there's no way that like an agency came up with this idea and it worked through the normal channels up to the bots. This is more like the CEO of like Paramount calls his friend who he met at a cocktail party yeah, in New York, yeah. who runs FedEx. It's like, hey, this is a weird one, but I got this thing. Could be awesome. Tom Hanks. It just and by the way, what do I know? Could be different, but um, yeah, it seems like a slam dunk, but like they always do until yeah, it's, it's a, until it's a smoking train wreck and everyone's looking around going who was the idiot to approve this Then everyone's yeah, going you the lo- yeah you lose joining it everyone else yeah so it's it's yeah. Yeah,
0: well, yeah. Eurovision um, did it very well in this film um, and and they they were quite clever about weaving in not just kind of the spectacle of of the event but also previous performers so anyone who's watched Eurovision even kind of at a cursory level um would see people that are familiar and then they do a big musical number and they're all kind oh, of, that right? and that, that cool. was kind of clever and it was, it was well done. So I've heard the songs are quite good too, right? They're fairly well produced. Yeah, they are. They are, and um, I mean, it's a fine line. A right? like, clip I, of
2: Will Ferrell when he's like on the <laughs> glacier with with that with uh, that actress who's normally a pretty serious actress too, I might add. And they're like, have got yeah. like Viking sort of outfits and they're playing keyboards, and it's just so Eurovision, like it's well, really good.
0: The the film is is much better than the preview would suggest. So I was I was yeah. pleasantly surprised. Like I said, I, I think Iceland's really cool, and they they did that. The, one of the recurring jokes is. People keep coming up to him and saying, oh, so you guys are like the brother and sister act. And he's like, oh, we may not be brothers and sisters because Iceland is so small that there's a large number of people who actually are related. And there's an app, there's a dating app, which it's not like Tinder or something. It's like, is this person my cousin app? (laughs) (laughs) And no, I'm not joking. And so if you're out somewhere and you're sort of thinking about going home with a person, you can quickly check before you go home with them whether or not they're actually related to you because um, yeah, it's necessary apparently. Who knows? But um, I went over there. And I played football over there. When we were playing with the Norwegian team. Uh, we played against the Icelandic national team. And uh, no, back back when I was, were I was playing footy, uh, the Icelandic guys they were fine, but they didn't have or they cold. didn't have any Australians, so that made it not super fair. So we um, we beat them. But the reason we did it was we were taking a, a TV crew with us for this for this sort of local equivalent of the footy show. So we really just it wasn't about winning it was about kind of making the game look good so that the show would run it and all the rest of it and and they did run it we got a few a few recruits out of it so that was that was funny are there any other films or shows that people are watching that are worth worth uh, noting still watching a lot of wrestling documentaries (laughs) how long is this going to go for well i
3: was i was kind of i was intending to really only watch the undertaker um, series and just whatever else in my in my one month free trial, and then I forgot about that, and of course I've now been billed for a second month. Um, so I'm just going to keep watching some
1: it, shit. Sorry, on, on on a tangent, can we just mention how, how well Sam's take from last week about COVID in Victoria has aged? Unbelievable. What I say? Yeah. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> did it,
3: did it it's age just people well? coming in on planes. It's just coming people back from overseas. Everything else is
0: fine. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's ever going to be wrong ever again. Quote, unquote, S that's,
2: McConnell. I don't think that's what I said. Freezing there, I
0: cold know. takes. That's,
3: uh, <coughs>
2: I've got to say right, that. So right.
3: we'll pause here and D- and Dave's going to find the audio and splice it in right now. So you can hear Sam take it and Sam, now you can respond
1: now. Just, just very quickly. It, this is going to be very Trump-like because it's just, I'm just sick of the way the media's beating up these COVID cases. I remember no, walking no, around the laughing, thinking this is gonna age so well. Let's
2: not let's not change that. I've never been a COVID doubter. All I'm saying <laughs> is is when they're when the front of the Herald Sun's like Melbourne's COVID death spots and there's nine people in hospital in all of Victoria and one in intensive care. I don't know whether we need
0: to go to the mattresses. He's doubling This is already He's not doubly aged doubly well. Down. <laughs> <laughs> what can I just ask? What does going to the mattresses mean? I've never understood it.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm thanks, Dave. Thanks for asking. That's what you call an escape route.
3: That's an trap that's a trapdoor. Thanks, Dave. S- Sam. Really needed to pull the I'm gonna eventually. filibuster here. you <laughs> <for> got 30 minutes. <laughs> Did you want to answer the, 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 the to the mattresses question, or do you want me? Someone to? mattresses is uh, is a oh, you go, Ranch. You go, Ranch. So, so my, my recollection, and I—in I, fact, did, Dave, didn't you just say that you watched the fucking Sopranos? Yes. Like, this is from like the last episode of like season one or two. And yes. and and my memory is that going to the mattresses means it's like when when there is a war about to start you know, like the key players, like the key kind of mafia people, they will, they don't stay at their houses because then, you know, like the, the, other, the other mobsters know where they are. So they go to the mattresses and like stay in these other, you know, like safe houses or whatever. They're usually pretty ramshackled and not really set up very well. And they're literally just sleeping on mattresses on the floor. That's my recollection. That, Sam, what do
0: you got? That is correct. Thank you. Well, I, I just, I remember The so, Sopranos so well because I just watched it, but I, I, and I remember the house, you know, that they went to, but... For some reason, the terminology just just slipped me. I didn't didn't see it. I, the the terminology from that I remember is Tony saying, he said, "What's wrong with you?" A lot, like, "What the hell's?" You'd always it like, "What the what, what the fuck's wrong with you? What's wrong with you?" That, that's that's the thing I remember. And I, I guess there's so much, but yeah, what a great show. What a great show. There's
3: um there's there's so much to like from that. And Sam, do you remember the thing that you and I always laugh about the most between Tony and his son?
1: Nah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Are you pissing again? What's going on? <laughs> he's disappeared. He's, uh, I could, I could, I could only assume he's gone to review what he said last
0: week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's looking up. He's looking up all the, all the COVID stats from Victoria <laughs> to try to find an angle. This is the problem of not having video. We can't see what Sam's up to.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. Not sure. I want <laughs> to <though>. know.
0: <laughs> Definitely pissing. There's no question about it. Uh, oh, message from Sam. Can you add me back in? The professionalism level of this man is questionable. Oh, no, wait, wait. It's my fault. I do need to add him back in.
3: <coughs> <laughs> just threw this week's apple pie across
0: the room in disgust.
1: This is classic Andrew and Sam bullshit. That I've been putting up with for 30 years. Well, let's,
0: let's hope there's more mailbag this week. It, it is entertaining. Hey, sorry about that. No, oh, that's all right. That's right. right. You're back in. Um, yeah, we, we're just talking about you and your professionalism.
3: First of all, you gave yourself an escape route by talking about going to the mattresses and then when that didn't work, you just left. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh the
2: line's uh something funny with it. I gotta go. Yeah, I'm
0: yeah. going through a tunnel.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's no internet in Melbourne right now. I gotta it's going, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, shit. Well we, we only uh, we only have a hard fifteen um left to go through things. <laughs> which is which is not oh by the way, ha- take a hard five. I assume everybody's watched Barry, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I wow. like Barry. Is there another season coming? Because gee, it's just consistently great. I hope there is. It is good. It's so good. I,
3: be- I believe there is, isn't
1: there, Boots? Uh Barry. Yeah, it it's been renewed, but there's not a timetable for it. Which is yeah, and, at, and at this point, who the fuck knows? Yeah. yeah. But even 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 prior to, because uh Hayda has a lot of things that he's doing and obviously he's a key figure to uh
0: to it. Yeah. I mean shooting obviously will be on hold for however whoever knows how long so i wonder with that stop in shooting and production whether it will start to feel like we're kind of thin on content like there's been this glut of quality series oh, look, i think but um... what about like quality new series will it sort of trickle down a little bit in like three months from now because this production stop? maybe i
3: think it has to at some point yeah, look, t- TV will be affected, um, cinemas probably less so because just everything's just on hold. Um, the, the, but I, I, I think, you know, the delays are actually going to be probably even longer because, you know, like not only can they not continue shooting stuff now, but, you know, you would have to think that, you know, from a health and safety standpoint, you know the ability to shoot things as quickly as they do today you know having so many people on set to be able to whatever like reset lights or cameras or whatever you know all working in confined spaces all on top of each other for hours and hours and hours on end you would have to think that that kind of changes to some degree right so like i can just imagine that shooting schedules and therefore budgets are going to get heavily affected and it's going to be it's going to be weird what 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 happens here like this is it's going to change everything
1: yeah. Again, really- not, not exactly
3: late breaking news, but you know, it's gonna be um it's gonna be it's gonna have a massive effect, I think, for some time. So I've started to see that lag
2: catch up on a few things like billions stopped midway through the season as they caught up to where they shot to. Um and yeah, like the, I suppose there's a few, yes, maybe depends how long. I mean, if America's as big a train wreck as it looks like, I mean they're up eighty percent in fourteen days, um, maybe as well, like production hours will start going, what can we shoot on our lot or what can we shoot you know, like in one location or like, you know what I mean? They might be starting, they might start to green light projects that are relatively manageable to shoot under the circumstances also, or with a thin, with a thin crew or maybe it's CGI or whatever, but maybe that's the next step. It hasn't got there yet, but perhaps someone will be thinking about it if they think there's money and someone will be looking at it. I imagine.
3: And look, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's certainly, you know, the opportunity for just other, other, you know, types of, of, of filmmaking techniques to be used. I mean, like, um, you know, animation, for instance. I mean, that still takes a long time to do, but there's less people kind of working in a confined space. That would be one. But, you know, there was, um, I forget what the technology is called, but the, the Star Wars show on Disney Plus, The Mandalorian, um, you know, it, I don't know if you've seen it, but, you know, and regardless to what you think of it, it, it looks pretty amazing for a TV show. And, you know, a lot of that was still shot on, um, I believe I'm right saying like sound stages and things like that. But just with this this particular sort of like background and lighting techniques that it's actually all screens behind them, but it just looks like they're just shot on location somewhere. So like their ability to utilize that sort of technology, um, you know, in many other ways, I think, I think will be helpful um, because, you know, it's seamless when you watch it. You, it, it looks absolutely incredible. And, and if all else fails, if all else fails, there's lots of WrestleManias to watch and everything on the WWE network, you guys. You're getting, you're getting, weird, you're getting weird about that. Yeah, right. Am I, though? Yeah,
0: 100%. There was a lot of Ric Flair in that first episode, if you listen to it again. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't want to bail on you. I did. I was with you for a long time wrestling. I'm, I'm still there in, in spirit, so I'm not I'm not bailing you.
3: All right, fuck you
0: guys. But the, um, the series that... <laughs> anyway,
3: The Undertaker thing's really good. And I, think I would
0: like to watch it, and I will watch it. The, the series that I really enjoyed, that I hadn't seen, I guess everyone else has seen it, was Mindhunter. And that, that yeah, to me, good. felt like it finished strangely. And I believe that actually was greenlit, for a third season it just didn't get made because david fincher couldn't couldn't get there and he was such a key part of it. He directed episodes but that would be good because that really did finish with a heap of loose ends that weren't tied up and it kind of if nothing was tied up in a bow so I, i would that's one that i'd actually love to see them make that third season
3: we're off for a couple of weeks while you're out gallivanting around for twelve days in the car with two kids. So, yeah, we might see you in about six months when you get out of some kind of psychiatric lab, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we'll see how it goes. I hope for the best. So, we'll uh, we'll be back as soon as we can. We're looking forward to. It. We might we might bring in our first guest uh, for our next episode, so people can email the show at uh, dickandhamshow at gmail dot com, and they can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.